Chapter Five of Out from the Heart by James Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Andrea Fiore. Chapter Five: First Steps in the Higher Life. Seeing that the path of virtue is the path of knowledge, and that before the all-embracing principles of truth can be comprehended, perfection in the more lowly steps must be acquired. How then? shall a disciple of truth begin how shall one who aspires to the writing of his mind and the purification of his heart that heart which is the fountain and repository of all the issues of life learn the lessons of virtue how does he thus build himself up in the strength of knowledge destroying ignorance and the ills of life what are the lessons the first steps how are they learned how are they practiced how are they mastered and understood the first lessons consist in overcoming those wrong mental conditions which are most easily eradicated and which are the common barriers to spiritual progress as well as in practicing the simple domestic and social virtues the reader will be better aided if i group and classify the first ten steps in three lessons as follows vices of the body to be overcome and eradicated first lesson discipline of the body first step idleness laziness or indolence second step self-indulgence or gluttony second lesson discipline of speech third step slander fourth step gossip and idle conversation fifth step abusive and unkind speech sixth step frivolity or irreverent speech seventh step critical captious or fault-finding speech third lesson discipline of tendencies eighth step unselfish performance of duty ninth step unswerving rectitude or moral integrity Tenth step, unlimited forgiveness. The two vices of the body and the five of the tongue are so called because they are manifested in the body and tongue. Also, by so definitely classifying them, the mind of the reader will be better helped. But it must be clearly understood that these vices arise primarily in the mind and are wrong conditions of the heart worked out in the body and the tongue the existence of such chaotic conditions is an indication that the mind is altogether unenlightened as to the real meaning and purpose of life and their eradication is the beginning of a virtuous steadfast and enlightened life but how shall these vices be overcome and eradicated by first and at once checking and controlling their outward manifestations and by suppressing the wrong act this will stimulate the mind to watchfulness and reflection until by repeated practice it will come to perceive and understand the dark wrong and erroneous conditions of mind out of which such acts spring it will then abandon them entirely it will be seen that the first step in the discipline of the mind is the overcoming of indolence or laziness this is the easiest step and until it is perfectly accomplished the other steps cannot be taken 
the clinging to indolence constitutes a complete barrier to the path of truth indolence consists in giving the body more ease and sleep than it requires in procrastinating and in shirking and neglecting those things which should receive immediate attention this condition of laziness must be overcome by rousing up the body at an early hour giving it just the amount of sleep it requires for complete recuperation and by doing promptly and vigorously every task every duty no matter how small as it comes along on no account should food or drink be taken in bed and to lie in bed after one has awakened indulging in ease and reverie is a habit fatal to promptness and resolution of character and of purity of mind nor should one attempt to do his thinking at such a time strong pure and true thinking is impossible under such circumstances a man should go to bed to sleep not to think he should get up to think and work not to sleep the next step is the overcoming of self-indulgence or gluttony the gluttonous he who eats for animal gratification only without considering the true end and object of eating he eats more than his body requires and is greedy after sweet things and rich dishes such undisciplined desire can only be overcome by reducing the quantity of food eaten and the number of meals per day and by resorting to a simple and uninvolved diet regular hours should be set apart for meals and eating at other times should be rigidly avoided suppers should be abolished as they are altogether unnecessary and promote heavy sleep and cloudiness of mind the pursuit of such a method of discipline will rapidly bring the once ungoverned appetite under control and as the sensual sin of self-indulgence is taken out of the mind the right selection of foods will be instinctively and infallibly adapted to the purified mental condition it should be well borne in the mind that a change of heart is the needful thing and that any change of diet which does not promote this end is futile when one eats for enjoyment he is gluttonous the heart must be purified of sensual craving and gustatory lust when the body is well controlled and firmly guided when that which is to be done is done vigorously when no task or duty is delayed when early rising has become a delight when frugality simplicity temperance and abstinence are firmly established when one is contented with the food which is put before him no matter how scanty and plain and the craving for gustatory pleasure is at an end then the first two steps in the higher life are accomplished then is the first great lesson in truth learned thus is established in the heart the foundation of a poised self-governed virtuous life the next lesson is the lesson of virtuous speech in which there are five orderly steps the first of these is overcoming the habit of slanderous speech slander consists of inventing or repeating unkind and evil reports about others in exposing and magnifying the faults of others or of absent friends and in introducing unworthy insinuations the elements of thoughtlessness cruelty insincerity and untruthfulness enter into every slanderous act 
he who aims at the living of the right life will commence to check the cruel word of slander before it has gone forth from his lips he will then check and eliminate the insincere thought which gave rise to it he will watch that he does not vilify or defame anyone he will refrain from disparaging defaming and condemning the absent friend whose face he has so recently smiled into or kissed or whose hand he has shaken he will not say of another that which he dare not say to his face thus coming at last to think sacredly of the character and reputation of others he will destroy those wrong conditions of mind which gave rise to slander the next step is the overcoming of gossip and idle conversation idle speech consists in talking about the private affairs of others in talking merely to pass away the time and engaging in aimless and irrelevant conversation such an ungoverned condition of speech is the outcome of an irregulated mind the man of virtue will bridle his tongue and thus learn how rightly to govern the mind he will not let his tongue run idly and foolishly but will make his speech strong and pure and will either talk with a purpose or remain silent abusive and unkind speech is the next vice to be overcome the man who abuses and accuses others has himself wandered far from the right way to hurl hard words and names at others is to sink deeply into folly when a man is inclined to abuse curse and condemn others let him restrain his tongue and look within himself the virtuous man refrains from all abusive language and quarrelling he employs only words that are useful necessary pure and true the sixth step is the overcoming of levity or irrelevant speech light and frivolous talking the repeating of crude jokes the telling of vulgar stories having no other purpose than to raise an empty laugh offensive familiarity and the employment of contemptuous and disrespectful words when speaking to or of others and particularly of one's elders and those who rank as one's teachers guardians or superiors all of this will he put away by the lover of virtue and truth upon the altar of irreverence absent friends and companions are immolated for the passing excitement of a momentary laugh and all the sanctity of life is sacrificed to the zest for ridicule when the respect towards others and the giving of reverence where reverence is due are abandoned virtue is abandoned when modesty significance and dignity are eliminated from speech and behavior truth is lost yea even its entrance gate is hidden away and forgotten irreverence is degrading even in the young but when it accompanies gray hairs and appears in the demeanor of the preacher this is indeed a piteous spectacle and when this can be imitated and followed after then are the blind leading the blind then have elders preachers and people lost their way the virtuous will be of earnest and reverent speech he will think and speak of the absent as he thinks and speaks of the dead tenderly and sacredly he will put away all thoughtlessness and watch that he does not sacrifice his dignity 
to gratify a passing impulse of frivolity and superficiality his humor will be pure and innocent his voice will be subdued and musical and his soul will be filled with grace and sweetness as he succeeds in conducting himself as becomes a man of truth the last step in the second lesson is the overcoming of criticism or fault-finding speech this vice of the tongue consists in magnifying and harping on small or apparent faults in foolish quibbling and hair-splitting and in pursuing vain arguments based upon groundless suppositions beliefs and opinions life is short and real and sin sorrow and pain are not remedied by carping and contention the man who is ever on the watch to catch at the words of others in order to contradict and dispute them has yet to reach the higher way of holiness the truer life of self-surrender the man who is ever on the alert to check his own words in order to soften and purify them will find the higher way and the truer life he will conserve his energies maintain his composure of mind and preserve within himself the spirit of truth when the tongue is well controlled and wisely subdued when selfish impulses and unworthy thoughts no longer rush to the tongue demanding utterance when the speech has become harmless pure gentle gracious and purposeful and no word is uttered but in sincerity and honesty then are the five steps to virtuous speech accomplished then is the second great lesson in truth learned and mastered and now some will ask but why all this discipline of the body and restraint of the tongue surely the higher life can be realized and known without such strenuous labor such incessant effort and watchfulness no it cannot in the spiritual as the material nothing is done without labor and the higher cannot be known until the lower is fulfilled can a man make a table before he has learned to handle a tool and drive a nail and can a man fashion his mind in accordance with truth before he has overcome the slavery of his body as the intricate subtleties of language cannot be understood and wielded before the alphabet and the simplest words are mastered neither can the deep subtleties of the mind be understood and purified before the abc of right conduct is perfectly acquired as for the labor involved does not the youth joyfully and patiently submit himself to seven years apprenticeship in order to master a craft and does he not day by day carefully and faithfully carry out every detail of his master's instructions looking forward to a time when perfected through obedience and practice he shall himself become a master where is the man who sincerely aims at excellence in music painting literature or any trade business or profession who is not willing to give his whole life to the acquirement of that particular perfection shall labor then be considered where the very highest excellence is concerned the excellence of truth he who says the path which you have pointed out is too difficult i must have truth without labor salvation without effort that man will not find his way out of the confusions and sufferings of selfhood he will not find the calm well fortified mind and wisely ordered life 
his love is for ease and enjoyment and not for truth he who deep in his heart adores truth and aspires to know it will consider no labor too great to be undertaken but will adopt it joyfully and pursue it patiently by perseverance and practice he will come to the knowledge of truth the necessity for this preliminary discipline of the body and tongue will be more clearly perceived when it is fully understood that all these wrong outward conditions are merely the expressions of the wrong conditions of the heart an indolent body means an indolent mind an ill-regulated tongue reveals an ill-regulated mind and the process of remedying the manifested condition is really a method of rectifying the inward state moreover the overcoming of these conditions is only a small part of what is really involved in the process the ceasing from evil leads to and is inseparably connected with the practice of good while a man is overcoming laziness and self-indulgence he is really cultivating and developing the virtues of abstinence temperance punctuality and self-denial he is acquiring the strength energy and resolve which are indispensable to the successful accomplishment of the higher tasks while he is overcoming the vices of speech he is developing the virtues of truthfulness sincerity reverence kindliness and self-control and is gaining that mental steadiness and fixedness of purpose without which the more remote subtleties of the mind cannot be regulated and the higher stages of conduct and enlightenment cannot be reached also as he has to do right his knowledge deepens and his insight is intensified just as a child's heart is glad when a school task is mastered so with each victory achieved the man of virtue experiences a bliss which the seeker after pleasure and excitement can never know and now we come to the third lesson in the higher life which consists of practicing and mastering in one's daily life three great fundamental virtues one unselfish performance of duty two unswerving rectitude moral integrity three unlimited forgiveness having prepared the mind by overcoming the more surface and chaotic conditions mentioned in the first two lessons the striver after virtue and truth is now ready to enter upon greater and more difficult tasks and to control and purify the deeper motives of the heart without the right performance of duty the higher virtues cannot be known and truth cannot be apprehended duty is generally regarded as an irksome labor a compulsory something which must be toiled through or in some way avoided this way of regarding duty proceeds from a selfish condition of mind and a wrong understanding of life all duty should be regarded as sacred and its faithful and unselfish performance one of the leading rules of conduct all personal and selfish considerations should be extracted and cast away from the doing of one's duty and when this is done duty ceases to be irksome and becomes joyful duty is only irksome to him who craves some selfish enjoyment or benefit for himself let the man who is chafing under the irksomeness of his duty look to himself and he will find that his wearisomeness proceeds 
not from the duty itself but from his selfish desire to escape it he who neglects duty be it great or small or of a public or private nature neglects virtue when duty becomes a thing of love and when every particular duty is done accurately faithfully and dispassionately there is much subtle selfishness removed from the heart and a great step is taken toward the heights of truth the virtuous man concentrates his mind on the perfect doing of his own duty and does not interfere with the duty of another the ninth step is the practice of unswerving rectitude or moral integrity this virtue must be firmly established in the mind and so enter into every detail of a man's life all dishonesty deception trickery and misrepresentation must be forever put away and the heart purged of every vestige of insincerity and deception the least digression from the path of rectitude or righteousness is a deviation from virtue there must be no extravagance and exaggeration of speech but the simple truth should be stated engaging in deception no matter how apparently insignificant for boastful pride or with the hope of personal advantage is a state of delusion which one should make efforts to dispel it is demanded of the man of virtue that he shall not only practice the most rigid honesty in thought word and deed but that he shall be exact in his statements omitting and adding nothing to the actual truth in thus shaping his mind to the principle of rectitude or moral integrity he will gradually come to deal with people and things in a just and impartial spirit considering equity before himself and viewing all things with freedom from personal bias passion and prejudice when the virtue of rectitude is fully practiced and comprehended so that all temptation to untruthfulness and insincerity has ceased then is the heart made purer and nobler then is character strengthened and knowledge enlarged and life takes on a new meaning and a new power thus is the ninth step accomplished the tenth step is the practice of unlimited forgiveness this consists in overcoming the sense of injury which springs from vanity selfishness and pride and in exercising disinterested charity and large-heartedness towards all spite retaliation and revenge are so utterly ignoble so base so small and foolish as to be altogether unworthy of being noticed or harbored no one who fosters such conditions in his heart can lift himself above folly and suffering and guide his life aright only by casting them away and ceasing to be moved by them can a man's eyes be opened to the true way of life only by developing a forgiving and charitable spirit can he hope to approach and perceive the strength and beauty of a well-ordered life in the heart of the strongly virtuous man no feeling of personal injury can arise he has put away all retaliation and has no enemies if other men should regard themselves as his enemies he will regard them kindly understanding their ignorance and making full allowance for it when this state of heart is arrived at then the tenth step in the discipline of one's self-seeking inclinations is accomplished 
then the third great lesson in virtue and knowledge is learned and mastered having thus laid down the first ten steps and three lessons in right doing and right knowing i leave those of my readers who are prepared for them to learn and master them in their everyday life there is of course a still higher discipline of the body a more far-reaching discipline of the tongue and greater and more all-embracing virtues to acquire and understand before the highest state of bliss and knowledge can be grasped but it is not my purpose to deal with them here i have expounded only the first and easiest lessons on the higher path and by the time these are thoroughly mastered the reader will have become so purified strengthened and enlightened that he will not be left in the dark as to his future progress those of my readers who have completed these three lessons will already have perceived beyond and above the high altitudes of truth and the narrow and precipitous track which leads to them and will choose whether they shall proceed the straight path which i have laid down can be pursued by all with greater profit to themselves and to the world and even those who do not aspire to the attainment of truth will develop greater intellectual and moral strength finer judgment and deeper peace of mind by perfecting themselves in this path nor will their material prosperity suffer by this change of heart nay it will be rendered truer purer and more enduring for if there is one who is capable of succeeding and fitted to achieve it is the man who has abandoned the petty weaknesses and everyday vices of his kind who is strong enough to rule his body and mind and who pursues with fixed resolve the path of unswerving integrity and sterling virtue end of chapter five recording by andrea fiore